Thank you very much. So Ruben's going to come and share uh, some thoughts with us over the next few minutes. Let's give Ruben a welcome. Bless you, Ruben. Hey, everyone. Can I just say how good were the youth band? I know, I know I'm biased, but come on. Um, if we've never met, my name is Ruben. I'm the youth pastor here at Encounter. And over the last few weeks, we've been doing a series called Behind the Story, where we look at aspects of the Christmas story and read into it, um, aspects that maybe we don't usually think about. Um, and I want to start this morning by asking two questions. The first one is, why was Jesus born? And then the second, was, second one is, why Bethlehem? Now, I'm pretty sure that everyone here has an idea of what the answer to the first question is. But I'm also pretty sure that although we may know Jesus was born in Bethlehem, many of us don't know what was so significant about this little town. And most of us have probably never given it a second thought. Um, John 3.16, arguably one of the most famous verses in all the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. Jesus, didn't just, Jesus wasn't just born and then he eventually died, but rather he was born to die. Um, to reconcile us to the Father, to take in the punishment that we deserved. And it's at Christmas that we uh, celebrate the start of this rescue mission. So, we know why Jesus was born, but why Bethlehem? Of all the places he could have been born. Um, if you've got your Bibles, Micah chapter 5, verse 2. Um, if we can get it on the screen. I haven't got the clicker. Micah chapter 5, verse 2. If you can find Micah, brownie points, thank you. Oh, there you go. I feel like the Holy Spirit wants me to read from Luke. There you go. Don't do anything. Stay. Um, Micah 5, verse 2. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, I had to Google how to pronounce that word. Ephrathah means fruitful. Though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel whose origins are from old, from ancient times. Now, Micah was a prophet, and um, he prophesied that Jesus would be born in Bethlehem 400 years before it actually came to pass. But why? What on earth is so significant about this little town that God chose it to bring about the birth of his son? Now we're going to read from Luke. Um, Luke chapter 2, verse 8 to 12. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night, an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today, in the town of David, thus Bethlehem, today in Bethlehem, a Savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Now, as we said before, Jesus came into the world to die. He died on the cross, taking the... Uh, punishment that we deserved for our shortcomings, so that by accepting him we can go free, we can be reconciled to the Father and be cleansed of all of our sins. But before Jesus came to earth, um, what God's people would do to make amends for their wrongs is they'd sacrifice an animal. Um, they'd sacrifice, uh, what would happen was a priest would take a spotless lamb, the lamb had to be spotless, had to be perfect to represent uh, purity, it couldn't have any blemishes or defect, and the priest would take the lamb to Jerusalem and sacrifice it in the temple. And then the lamb's blood would cover the sins of the people, and that was a ritual that had to be followed every year. Now, I know what you're all thinking. What's this got to do with anything, especially Bethlehem? The Welsh guy gets one chance to preach, and he starts talking about lambs. Um, <laughs> but 
Bible scholars believe that Bethlehem was uh, the town where the lambs purchased for sacrifice were actually born and raised. In fact, every firstborn male lamb in Bethlehem would be set aside to later be delivered to Jerusalem um, and sacrificed in the temple. And what would happen is, once a year, the priest would come from Jerusalem to David's field, the same field where the angels appeared to the shepherds, and he'd come to inspect the lambs. And those that passed the inspection, um, they would wrap in swaddling cloths and place in a manger to prevent any possible damage or harm coming to them. Sound familiar? This wasn't just any field. They weren't just any shepherds, and it wasn't just any flock. These were the flock of lambs that were destined for temple sacrifice. So it wasn't a coincidence that Jesus was born in this little town. It wasn't a coincidence that Mary and Joseph had to return to Bethlehem for a census and Jesus was born during their visit. It was a symbol of his entire ministry. He was the ultimate sacrifice. Jesus was the once and for all sacrifice. Everything that happened to Bethlehem leading up to his birth was uh, a foreshadowing of the Lamb of God to come. Author and pastor Joseph Leonard said, he said something. There you go. Joseph Leonard said, Jesus was the Lamb of God, the acceptable sacrifice to take away the sin of the world. And God wanted him to be born in Bethlehem as a prophetic message for his future role. Jesus was born to be sacrificed, just as the lambs of Bethlehem were born to be sacrificed. The difference was that the lambs were continuously sacrificed to temporarily cover the sins of the people, while Jesus was the perfect, acceptable sacrifice from God. And that is the good news of the gospel. And that's why when John the Baptist sees him 30 years later, he says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Um, John was declaring Jesus' mission and his entire ministry to die on the cross um, and take the punishment and pay the debt that we owed. And Jesus' birth in Bethlehem was a, a symbol of him being the sacrificial Lamb of God. Um, do you know what I find the most interesting? Is in the Old Testament, the priest would inspect the lamb, not the person. And Jesus was spotless on our behalf. Jesus lived a life without blemish because we couldn't. And if we accept his substitution, we can become right with God. God will permanently view us through the lens of his son's righteousness. So when he looks at you and he looks at me, he sees someone who's redeemed. He sees someone who's justified. He sees someone with a clean record. Um, I'm a pastor's kid, or a PK as some people like to call us. Um, my parents both pastors. My grandfather's a pastor. My great-grandfather was a pastor. <laughs> this, isn't, this isn't a cry for help, I promise. Um, I, I grew up in a small village, um, which was the polar opposite to Birmingham, because where I grew up, everybody knew everybody, um, which had its pros and cons. But for me, as a child, it definitely worked out to my advantage, because everybody knew and loved the village pastor, a.k.a. my grandfather, Pastor Ebenezer. Um, and that meant that wherever I went... People would look, at me, look very lenient, leniently at me because I was Pastor Ebenezer's grandson. Um, I somehow found this kind of favour with the older generation. Not because I deserved it. I'd go around, I'd accidentally kick my football through someone's window, I'd knock on people's doors and run in the opposite direction with my friends. But I found this favour because of who my grandfather was and all the good that he'd done. And it's the same, but on a slightly bigger scale, with Jesus. Um, if you accept him and receive him, God is willing to look at you and remember your blemishes no more. He'll look at you and see how spotless Jesus is. Um, every How to Preach website article that I've read in the last week, and there's been loads of them, um, 
They've all said that you should end with some practical advice, something that the listener can apply to their daily lives. But Jesus' life was a gift. Jesus' performance was enough. And it's not about us earning. It's not about us deserving. We just receive. Imagine a church that rests in Jesus' spotlessness, that accepts that Jesus was enough, that focuses on position over performance, that accepts that God loves us so much that he was willing to put on skin and bone and be born amongst a sacrificial flock of lambs. I think we'd all exhale a little bit. We'd allow ourselves to rest, to stop striving, worrying. Am I enough? Am I doing enough? And I think we'd find ourselves thinking far more about Jesus and what he did for us than what we could ever do for him. And that's, that's when true worship starts. Do you know what the powerful thing about rest is? I, I believe that rest is the most beautiful expression of worship because rest says you're God and I'm not. Rest says Jesus was enough on my behalf. Rest says Jesus was spotless because I couldn't be. And then we find ourselves trusting more. We find ourselves loving more, serving more. All out of an overflow, out of a revelation of God's sacrifice for us. And it all started with that little baby that the wisest of men came to worship. Jesus, the spotless Lamb of God. Shall we pray? And then we're going to eat some sacrificial turkey, I think. (laughs) God, we love you. Thank you for this opportunity to gather here this morning. Thank you for this Christmas season and all the amazing things that come with it. But would you help us all to find some time during this busy period to reflect on what it's all about. The fact that you love us so much that you were willing to be born as the ultimate sacrifice for our shortcomings. Thank you that as we receive you, we can rest in your finished work. Amen.